I trust you found your place in the book of 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, as we are in the final chapter of this epistle, and uh, a book that is packed with truth that we can certainly glean from, and thank God for all that we have learned as we've gone through this book verse by verse thus far, and we are coming towards the end here in the final chapter. Tonight we'll have time enough to look at verse number one, and maybe we might not even get through this entire verse tonight, but we'll see where God will have us. First John chapter 5 and verse number 1. We'll stand as we honor God by the reading of his word. The Bible says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. We thank you for the strength that we can find in every word. I pray that you would use your word tonight to strengthen hearts. We're thankful that your word is a living, breathing word. And I pray that you would use it to challenge our hearts and to guide us into your will for our lives. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace that you've showered upon us, even though undeserved. And I pray that your love would continue to motivate our hearts to love you more, and to love others as well. Perhaps that you would give me the words you love me to say, cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, fill me with the precious Holy Spirit that I may preach what thus said the Lord. And if there is someone tonight who does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, may tonight be the night of their salvation, and every believer would be challenged to take a closer walk with you. Have your divine way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. A young American engineer was sent to Ireland by his company to work in a new electronics plant. It was a two-year assignment that he had accepted because it would enable him to earn enough to marry his longtime girlfriend. She had a job near her home in Tennessee, and their plan was to pool their resources and to put a down payment on a house when he returned. They corresponded often, but as the lonely weeks went by, she began expressing doubts that he was being true to her, exposed as he was to the beautiful Irish girls. The young engineer wrote back, declaring with some passion that he was paying absolutely no attention to the local girls. I admit, he wrote, that sometimes I'm tempted, but I fight it. I am keeping myself for you. In the next mail, the engineer received a package. It contained a note from his girl and a harmonica. I'm sending this to you, she wrote, so you can learn to play it and have something to take your mind of those girls. The engineer replied, thanks for the harmonica. I'm practicing on it every night and thinking of you. At the end of his two-year stint, the engineer was transferred back to company headquarters. 
He took the first plane to Tennessee to be reunited with his girl. Her whole family was with her, but as he rushed forward to embrace her, she held up a restraining hand and said sternly, just hold on there a minute, Billy Bob. Before any serious kissing and hugging gets started here, let me hear you play that harmonica. I share this story tonight because evidence is important in making a claim if you intend to be convincing. Evidence, we understand very clearly, is, is foundational to cases in the court of law. But let me say here tonight that evidence is also important in making a claim that you are born again. Amen. The evidence in this case is not only to convince others of the truth of your claim, but it's also important to convince yourself that you are born again. My friends, it is vital to understand that salvation is a supernatural event that ought not to be taken lightly. Jesus in Matthew's gospel chapter 7 and verse 21 to 23 said these words. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we not cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I prophesy unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I will submit to us tonight that these individuals are people who verily might have thought that they were saved. But notice what Jesus said to them. I never knew you. In other words, there was never a point where they even were in a relationship with God. He just never ever knew them. My friend, it is important for you to know for yourself beyond any shadow of a doubt that I am a child of God. And the way to know is to have irrefutable evidence. Irrefutable proof. We have been in the book of 1 John for well over a year, almost a year and a half now. And I believe that it is clear to those of us who have been under the sound of the word that this is a book that the Apostle John shows very clearly that a born-again believer ought to live a life that is distinctive. That has evidence, has a, a signature to it. We, we described and labeled this series the Christian signature because there is indeed something distinctive about being a child of God. Something that's markedly, markedly noticeable to others that they would stop and say, hey, you know what? That's a born again believer. There's something different about that person. They look like Christ. They talk like him. They walk like him. 
And in this final chapter of 1 John, chapter 5, the Apostle John gives what I want to call and some evidences, some proofs, if you will, of salvation. I want each and every one of us, no matter how long you've been saved, to ensure that these proofs are evident in your life. And if there is any doubt that you are born again, get it right. Amen? And so we're going to spend, of course, several weeks in this chapter. But tonight, we're going to just take a look at verse number one. And I want you to jot down, first of all, the first proof, the first evidence that you are a child of God. It's conversion through the Savior. Conversion through the Savior. Now, look at verse number one. It says, whosoever believeth that Jesus Christ is, Jesus is the Christ, is what? Born of God. Now, I want you to notice some things about this conversion. Conversion means a transformation, a change uh, that happened uh, that is a result of, of Jesus Christ, the Savior. I want you to notice about this conversion that it is a decision that's personal. It, it, it results from a decision that is personal. Now look at the first word in this verse. It says what? Whosoever. Whosoever. That tells me that salvation, my friend, and thank God it is, it is universally accessible. Whosoever. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter the size of your bank account. It doesn't matter your social status, your nationality. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. You have access to salvation. Amen. This underscores the wonderful reality that God has made it of such that if you are saved or whether you are not, it is completely up to you. No one can say, I don't have salvation because I'm too poor. I'm not saved because I'm not high enough on the totem pole. I'm not, I'm not born in the right family. I'm not from this country. I'm not from that country. I've done too much of this. No one can say that, my friend. It is available to whosoever. And that makes it clear that salvation in being accessible is based on a personal choice. An individual Decision, my friend, it eliminates all excuses. If a person chooses not to receive salvation, it is completely up to that individual. That's why Romans chapter 10 and verse 12 to 13 says, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is, is rich unto all that call upon him. For Whosoever shall what? Call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
This is a decision that's personally, there's a universally, uh, it's universally accessible. But notice the second word. I love this. It is accessible because there's an uncomplicated approach. Whosoever does what? Believe it. He didn't say whosoever payeth. Whosoever can run a marathon. Whosoever can jump high. Whosoever can swim. It's not based on doing. It's based on belief. This is something that so many people miss. But what we have to understand, my friend, is that belief, sincere and honest belief, affects behavior. I was talking to a lady just today. We got into talking about salvation and she said, boy, it's really hard to get to heaven, you know. Really, really hard. Because you got to make sure, because no unrighteousness can get into heaven. And you have to make sure you watch yourself and do what you have to do to order to get there. And I thought, the first part of what you said is true. No unrighteousness can get into heaven. But our righteousness must be based on the righteousness of Christ and not our own. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says, uh, and 10, 9 through 11, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, my friend. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Don't underscore and minimize the importance of belief. Because belief is going to cause a change in action. Don't think, oh, I just believe and I just live as I please. But God wants the heart of man engaged. You hear me say time and time again, my friend, this thing of serving God, this thing of loving God, this thing of salvation that we have access to, it is heart business. And I say tonight to each and every person, if your heart has not been touched by the Savior, be, be afraid. Be very afraid. Young people, listen, all the people alike, don't get into this religious routine. Don't figure, I got this thing down pat. I mean, I know what to do uh, when this happens. I know what to do when that happens. Ensure that the God of the universe, through his salvation, through his shed blood on a rugged cross, that that sacrifice has touched your heart. The heart has to be engaged. It's an uncomplicated approach. But notice, there's an undisputed authority. He says, whosoever believe it, that Jesus is the what? Christ. It's not just believing that Jesus has existed. 
It's not just believing that he came to this earth and died on the cross. Listen, the historians have written that in their books, even outside of the Bible. But that doesn't mean that they're born again. One has to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. He is God in the flesh, the promised one. And he's the only one through whom salvation can be found. It's not Buddha. It's not Mohammed. It's not Hail Selassie. It's not Krishna. It's not any other name but the name of Jesus through which I can receive redemption. John's Gospel, chapter 14 and verse 6, very familiar verse to all of us. Jesus speaking says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And here's the thing about believing that Jesus is the Christ. That when you know someone is the undisputed God, my friend, that he's the king, listen, you must treat him as such. Jesus takes no pleasure in saying, oh, you're a lord, you're a king, but you don't treat him as king. He must be lord of one's life. That's why Jesus said in Luke's gospel, chapter 6 and verse 46, for those who were calling him, Lord, Lord, and Lord, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So John says, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ. That's a decision that's personal. But notice, we have just enough time to look at this part of it tonight. The divine process. He says, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, look at this, is what? Born of God. I hope you don't miss those three words. Born of God. My friend, salvation, notice this, that when an individual is transformed on the inside, when God creates within us a new man, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Understand that that, my friend, is a spontaneous process. It's the new birth. Birth in its physical and natural form itself is a spontaneous process. We know that. Ladies know that better than I do. The doctors set due dates. Oh, the due date is... But that due date, there's no guarantee. You ever wonder, what, what, what makes this baby, this fetus decide, okay, I am ready. And when that fetus decides he or she is ready, what are you going to do? You better get yourself in a comfortable place. Make sure you're close to a comfortable place. Because it's a spontaneous process. You don't control it. When it comes to the spiritual rebirth, my friend, it is spontaneous. 
It is triggered by belief. Turn with me very quickly to John's Gospel, chapter 3, as Jesus spoke to Nicodemus. And he gives him an analogy using physical birth and the spiritual birth. He says in verse number 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be what? Born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, Ye must be born. Again, look at verse number 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. What am I saying tonight? My friend, when a person places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that spiritual rebirth is an act of God himself. It's spontaneous, but notice, secondly, it is supernatural. Don't trivialize salvation. The rebirth is a miracle. When you pass from death unto life, that was a miracle. When a person accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, listen, we are to celebrate the miracle of that new birth. It's not orchestrated by good works. God himself has made a new man inside of you as a result of one's faith. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 to 5. Listen to this. And you hath he, what? Quickened. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. Let me stop there. Because if you were at a funeral and that body lay in that casket, dead, as dead as a doornail. And somebody walks up and touches that body. And that body is restored to life. Listen, that miracle would be reverberating all around the planet. That miracle that this person who was dead has been now made alive. Why? Because what they say? Dead men tell no tales. And it requires a miracle for something or someone that is dead to be raised to life. Am I right? Yeah. I'm absolutely correct. But my friend, when a person is born again, when a person is saved, when you were saved, listen, God raised you up from the dead spiritually and raised you to life. That's why he says, I quickened you and made you alive in Christ Jesus. That is a supernatural miracle. Says, wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that the spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, our manner of living in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God. 
who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins has what? Quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved. My friend, you ought to be excited about your salvation. Wow. It's a divine process. And it's triggered by a decision that is personal. We just scratched the surface in this first proof. But understand this. The evidence of salvation is that you have been converted by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You have been made different. You are a new person. You are not the person you were before. Why? Because you have been transformed on the inside and that is what manifests itself on the outside. I thought we would have gotten through verse 1 tonight, but we're only halfway. But it's going to get better and better. Or gooder and gooder. But thank God. I thank God I'm saved. And I tell you, as we go through these proofs, it ought to strengthen your heart. It ought to strengthen your faith. And if it is that somehow these things seem foreign, then you do business with God. Because John is saying very clearly that there's something supernatural that took place. And it produces distinctiveness. You don't have to work and muster up physical strength. It comes from a spiritual awakening that God himself produces because it is a supernatural miracle. That is why for someone who has not been born again, sometimes look at the Christian life and say, oh, I could never do that. They're right in many respects. You can't do it in the flesh. But you won't know until you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ that that activates God's supernatural power to transform you and to give you the power to that new man to do what the old man could never do. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for the evidence. How many of you know? Man, before you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you struggled with that thing time and time. Again, New Year's resolution after New Year's resolution. And you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and bam! How come you're not struggling like that anymore? God changed you on the inside. And still, he's still working on us to make us what he would have us.